You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to several scriptures tonight, so just keep them handy. And I just wanted to say that uh, the last time I was here behind this pulpit, I shared my personal testimony with you. And tonight I want to expound somewhat on the word testimony. I certainly don't want to go back into my testimony. And I don't want to do an exhaustive study about the word. But we want to hit a few high spots and talk about the simple work of the testimony that we have and that we can share with other people. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself, do I have a testimony? Do I have a testimony? Unfortunately, when it comes to a lot of people's spiritual side, if you will, a lot of people just think, you know, I really don't have anything spectacular enough to talk about. Anything that's exciting, you know, I just don't have anything exciting in my life to share. But you know, if you're a child of the king, then you do have it, Mitch. You do have. You do have. When I think of good testimonies, the first person that comes to my mind is my wife, Brenda. And I'll tell you why. Her testimony is really the best testimony of all. She simply has no recollection of ever not being a Christian. She became a Christian at a very, very early age. Then she met me, which really does prove no good deed goes unpunished. (laughs) But when you consider her testimony, what a good testimony it is. And I bet many of you here tonight have exact same testimony. You probably accepted the Lord at a very early, early age and and grown up in church. And that's all you've known, and praise God for that. How wonderful that is. Cherish that. Cherish that. All right, let's get started. I want to do a little bit of history with the Word, and we're not going to go into any etymology of the Word or anything like that. But suffice to say that the term testimony is used as a proper noun in several places in Scripture. If you read the Old Testament, you read about uh, the uh, Ten Commandments being inscribed by God's hand, by His finger on the tablets of stone. In some places, that's called the testimony. And then we read about the Ark of the Covenant. And sometimes that's called the testimony. And then again, a testimony is used to uh, describe a divine decree. And in other biblical applications, a testimony is used as God's Word, as God's revelation to man, and as God's trustworthiness. And there's others. But tonight I want to narrow our focus to a little bit different aspect of the term testimony. I want to make this more personal tonight, and I want to ask three simple questions. Question number one is, what should influence our testimony? What should influence our testimony? Number two, is our testimony important? Is our testimony important? And then thirdly, should we share our testimony with others? Now those are three 
good questions. And to help answer those questions, I want us to review some different, different biblical accounts tonight of where a testimony was involved. So if you have your Bible, turn with me first to Acts 4, Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And there we'll find the classic story of the arrest of Peter and John for preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 20. And I think it's on the board. And I'll read. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And I want you to grab a hold of that. Peter and John both said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now I realize that Peter and John both were ministers of God and Jesus had directed them to share this gospel message even to the ends of the earth. And they worked diligently throughout their lives to accomplish that goal. But doesn't the Great Commission extend to the church as well? Are we not to proclaim God's goodness and mercy and great works ourselves? I think the answer is an obvious yes. I think the commission goes to the church as well. And with that thought in mind, I want you to look back at verse 20 and notice that Peter and John were very careful to ensure that those things that they taught people, those things that they talked to people about, those things that they shared with people were indeed factual. And that's very important. As Christians, we want to make sure we share the truth with people. And what criteria did they use to ensure that truthfulness? Only that they speak or testify of those things which they had seen and heard, things they had personally witnessed. So we have at least one answer to our questions that we asked at the very beginning. Question number one was, what should influence our testimony? And here we have the answer. And that being, whatever we tell must be the truth. Whatever we tell, whatever we share with people must be the truth. The second story involves a Samaritan woman that Jesus found at a well. So in your Bibles, turn to John 4, verses 3 through 4. Just back up a little bit from Acts and turn, turn to John 4, verses 3 through 4. And here we read, He left Judea, talking about Jesus. Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and He must needs go through Samaria. Now, I don't know about you, but I really like that verse. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Jesus knew where this Samaritan woman lived, and I'm sure ahead of time he knew that he was going to have an encounter with her, 
that he's going to be able to witness to her, to talk to her, to influence her. But folks, just as he knew where this Samaritan woman would be, he also knows where we live. He knows where we're going to be. He knows our lives. And the story begins with Jesus stopping at Jacob's well and there meeting this Samaritan woman. Jesus knew all about her life, and he told her all about her life. And then the woman immediately recognized that this was the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting on. And so, in turn, when she found that out, she turned and went back to her city, and there she shared that message to the men who lived there. Now let's read verses 28 and 29 of that same chapter. Verses 28 and 29. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? So in essence, what did this Samaritan woman do? What did she do? She shared the good news of the gospel with these men of her hometown. She shared what she had seen and heard. She knew there was something special about Jesus, and she wanted to get that message out to these men. Now read uh, verse 39. Skip on down to 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Many of the Samaritans that, of that city believed on Christ. Why? Because of what this Samaritan lady did. Now, I want you to notice the profound impact of this woman's testimony. She had a huge impact on many of those within our own city. I read this in the in the. ESV, the English Standard Version, I actually like that version better for this one verse. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him, or believed in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. And what was that testimony? We've touched on that. But look at the last part of verse 39. It says, He told me all that I ever did. So just think about that. Many Samaritans were saved because of this one woman's testimony. Chances are we may never know, probably won't, unless God tells us in glory, of what actually happened because of this woman's testimony and how many people were actually saved and brought to saving grace to Christ simply because of her willingness to share the story. So now we have the answer to questions two and three that we posed at the beginning. Is our testimony important? And number three, should we share our testimony with others? And obviously the, the answer is yes on, all, on both. Without a doubt, we should share our testimony. And of course, our testimony is important. Else how will people ever be saved? You know, a lot of times, and I'm so guilty of this, I rely on my pastors to teach the Word to people. I rely on Sunday school teachers or I rely on somebody else instead of me doing the work. But you know, God has called all of us into his ministry when you think about it. We're all called to share the gospel. It may not be in a church. It may be on the job. 
It may be wherever, at the lake or whatever. I mean, it could be anywhere. We're called to share the gospel. And to go on to add more support to this, I want us to turn to uh, Acts 26, verses 1 and 2. Acts 26, verses 1 and 2. And here we're going to read about the Apostle Paul as he was brought before King Agrippa. And it's a familiar story, and I know you guys already know it, but it's good scriptures. So let's read, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. Paul said, I am glad to speak for myself. I'm glad to have this opportunity to share with you my story. So Paul goes on to relate his upbringing, his zeal for God in persecuting the church, and ultimately how he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Now skip down to verses 22 and 23. Let's read those. 22 starts out and says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day witnessing or testifying both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should shew light unto the people and to the Gentiles. What did Paul say here? He said, I continued to testify my story. But what did he say? He said, I didn't say anything that wasn't true. He said, I only told what Moses taught in the, in the Scripture that Christ should suffer. And, that, and the, what the Scripture said about Christ coming and being the perfect sacrifice for the people. So in Paul's own testimony, he was careful to tell the truth. He was careful to be open to share. And we also read, as you read down further, Paul's testimony must have been pretty powerful as it almost, and I, I use that term almost, persuaded King Agrippa to embrace Jesus Christ. However, we're never told whether that transformation actually ever happened. In each of these examples, though, we see a common principle. People were willing to share with others what they themselves had experienced spiritually. They testified of what Christ had done for them. And in one case, the case of the Samaritan woman, it resulted in a harvest of souls. And then in the last, we're unsure if there ever was a transformation in King Agrippa or not. And we know that Paul, I mean, excuse me, Peter and John, and then also Paul went out and won many souls to Christ in their ministry. So church, what should we do? I think it's very apparent we should continue to share our story. Whatever that story may be, we each have one. We each have one. So we need to share what Christ has done for us. And certainly... How, how we came to know Christ is of huge value in that story. But overall, God 
may be calling us to share what else is going on in our life. You know, I've heard people testify in church, and we don't see that really a whole lot here at Calvary Chapel. But in other churches, it's pretty common. People stand up, you know, they'll be asked to stand, or maybe they just have a burning testimony that night, you know, or that day to share with the church what God is doing in their life at that time. Maybe they've been healed from a disease, or maybe they've had a child, a child come to know Christ, or, or whatever. You could go on and on and on. But it's good that we're able to do that, and it's good that we can share that message to others. And Pastor Phil has provided us, Calvary Chapel here in Paris, a good platform for that. And it's called our Encounter Service. And that's, that happens on the first Wednesday night of each month. And yes, I admit it's a little different from our other services. But it's set aside for individuals to draw closer to God. And to be able to share what's in our hearts, whether it be a scripture that God's laid on our heart, or whether it's a testimony that we feel like we need to give, or a message from God, or, or just praise to God, whatever. I encourage you to come to our encounter service. I encourage you to come to all the Wednesday night services. And bless your heart, you're stuck with me tonight, but that's, it's usually better. So don't let this deter you, okay? But the first Wednesday is really good. And I personally feel that we as individuals of the church are edified when we hear someone else's testimony, what God is doing for somebody. It, I know it uplifts me, it helps me. And so it, it might even help me to get through a, a trial myself. I think, you know, somebody else has been through that, and I know what God's done for them. So it's encouraging. Okay, now that ends part one of a ten-part series that we're doing tonight. So I'm not watching my clock. I hope you're not watching yours. No, I'm teasing. We're not doing ten parts, I guarantee you. But we're about to change our pace here, and we're going to put it in second gear. And I know a lot of you don't even know what second gear is. You, you drive automatics. But back in the old days, boy, we, had, we shift gears, you know. <laughs> so we're going to change gears here a little bit. Because I want to share with you a testimony that I came across several years ago, and I've saved this back, and I never even thought about it until I began to study for this, this program tonight, this study tonight. And I run across it, and I just felt impressed that this, this must be where God's going. He must be leading in this way. So I'm going I'm to read this to you. Every Sunday afternoon after the morning church service, the pastor and his young son, who was 11 years old at the time, would take advantage of the afternoon to go out into their town and hand out gospel tracts. One particular Sunday afternoon, the weather had turned very cold and rainy. However, undeterred by the inclement weather, the young boy bundled up in his warmest and driest clothes, and he went to his dad and said, Okay, Dad, I'm ready. His dad looked at him a little bit perplexed and said, ready for what? He said, Dad, it's time to go out and hand out the tracks. It's Sunday afternoon. To which his dad responded, son, it's very cold outside and it's raining and it's, it's pouring cats and dogs. The boy gave his dad a surprised look and said, but Dad, aren't people still going to hell on rainy days? With that, his dad retorted, son, I'm not going out in this rain. 
So feeling very despondent, the boy asked his dad, well, Dad, can I go? Can I go out and, and pass out tracks? His father hesitated for a moment. He hated to let him go by himself, but he said, yes, son, take your tracks. But he said, I want you to be very careful. The dad thanked his son. Uh, the son thanked his dad, and, and uh, went off into the into the day. And so he's walking up and down these streets in the pouring rain and the cold, and he's handing out these tracks, and handing out to people and witnessing to people as as he has opportunity to do so. And after about two hours of walking in the rain, he is cold and he's tired, and, and he's down to his one last track. So he turned, and there wasn't anybody on the streets to give it to him. And he just saw this house, and he said, well, I tell you, I'm just going to go to that house, and I'm going to knock on the door, and I'll just hand this last track to whoever comes to the door. So he went up the walkway that leads to the front porch of the house, and he gets up on the porch, and he rings the doorbell. But nobody came to the door. So he rings the doorbell again. Nobody came to the door. So he waited a little bit, and so he rang the doorbell again. And then again, nobody answered. He continued to wait, but still no answer. Finally, this 11-year-old trooper of faith turned to leave. But when he did, something deep down inside moved him. Caused him to pause and think just for a minute. So he reversed himself, and he went back to the door and rang the doorbell one more time. And then he clenched his little fist, and he went to knocking on the door, knocking and knocking. And again he waited. Still no answer. So he began to ring the doorbell again, and he began to knock again. And then what happened, the door slowly began to open. And in that doorway stepped an elderly lady, and speaking ever so softly, she says, Son, what, what can I do for you? With radiant eyes, he looked up at her and said, Ma'am, I'm sorry if I've disturbed you, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you. And here's a little gospel track that can tell you everything you need to know to find Jesus. And with that, he handed her the track and turned to leave, and as he left down the walkway, the lady hollered out at him and said, son, thank you. God bless you. Well, that following Sunday, when Pastor Dad is in the pulpit getting ready to preach, he thinks, I'm going to offer up opportunity for people to give a testimony. So he just asked the congregation, does anyone out there want to share a testimony today? Well, way back in the little back, way back in the back, was this little old lady, and she stood up. And she said, I know that nobody here knows who I am. She said, I've never been here before. And she said, in fact, I, I've never even been a Christian. But my husband passed away some time ago, leaving me totally alone. And last Sunday, being a particularly cold and rainy day, it was even more so cold in my heart. And I knew that I had come to the end of the road. And I knew there was nothing left for me 
So she said, I took a rope and a chair and I climbed up the stairways to our attic and I hung that rope over a rafter. And I took the chair and I stood up on that chair and I took the other end of that rope and I tied it around my neck and I was going to jump off of that rope, off of that chair and end it all. But she said my doorbell began to ring, to ring. And she thought, man, nobody's ever come to visit me. Who in the world could that be? She thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just wait, and whoever it is will go away, and then I can finish my job. I can finish my task. But she said the doorbell just kept on ringing. And then the knocking began. And she said, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So she said, I took the rope off my neck, and I got down off my chair, and I went, made my way downstairs. And I opened that door. And she said, I can hardly believe my eyes, for there on my front porch was this most radiant and angelic little boy. His smile, oh, I could never describe it to you. The words that came from his mouth caused my heart that had long been dead to leap to life. As he exclaimed with a cherub-like voice, Ma'am, I just came to tell you that Jesus really does love you. Then he gave me this gospel track that I now hold in my hand. As the little angel disappeared back out into the cold and rain, I closed my door. But she said, I began to read slowly every word on that gospel track. Then I went up to my attic to get my rope and my chair because I didn't need them anymore. You see, I am now a happy child of the king and since the address of your church was on the back of this gospel tract, I have come here to personally say thank you to God's little angel who came just in the nick of time just in the nick of time, and by doing so, spared my soul from an eternity in hell. There was not a dry eye in the church. And as shouts of praise and honor to the king resounded off the very rafters of the building, Pastor Dad descended from the pulpit to the front pew where his son, that little angel sat. And he took his sons in his arms and he sobbed uncontrollably. Now church, I don't know about you, but that's a good story. And for all I know, that story's true. But you know, I find two things in this story that's very amazing. I find two testimonies. First, obviously, is the testimony of that elderly lady who had come to know Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and who was willing to come to that church and to share that message with those people on that given Sunday. The second is that of that young boy. You see, we find in this story answers to our questions that we ask at the first. The fact that this young boy realized people were dying and going to hell spurred him to action. Regardless of the weather conditions, he was moved to go out and share the gospel. 
And two, his testimony wasn't just wrapped up in his own words. He had the gospel tracts to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Were the words he shared with that elderly lady important? You bet they were. They were important to her, for sure. So in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, I want to read something that Jesus said to his disciples. Jesus says there in Matthew, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Church, those are very sobering words. Very sobering words. So in closing tonight, I want to go to another passage. And I want us to read from Revelations 12, 7 through 11. Revelations 12, 7 through 11. And, and, I, and granted, these, these verses have an astrological importance. I realize that. No doubt they're futuristic. But I can't help to think that they have some importance for us as a church today and as Christians today. So read with me, beginning with verse 11. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Now, we just now got to the crux of this as we began there in verse 8, or verse 7, I think. And now we got to verse 11. And, I, and verse 11 is what I really want to focus on tonight. And they, those who are being accused by Satan, they overcame him, overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Did you get that? By the word of their testimony. Regarding that verse segment that says, and by the word of their testimony, the late theologian Albert Barnes said, and I provide the following uh, excerpt from his commentary. Albert Barnes said, The faithful testimony which these Christians bore to the truth is that they adhered to the truth in their sufferings. They declared their belief in it, even in the pains of martyrdom. And it was by this that they overcame the great enemy. The result in the vision was that the persecuted church bore a faithful testimony to the truth and that the great enemy was overcome. I submit to you, church, and I want to make this point very clear. I don't think salvation is what St. John was talking about in this verse. He was talking about overcoming the devil. I think salvation is a given in this. Therefore, 
if we as Christians are to overcome Satan, then obviously the first requisite is the blood of Christ. There's no doubt. But John went on to include something else. Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, John lets us know as Christians today that we are not to love our lives unto the death. And he goes on and and says that we are to share with others the great message of the cross and the great work that God has accomplished within us. Church, we must be willing to speak the things which we have seen and heard. We must be willing to speak the things that we have seen and heard. God bless you. Let's pray.